The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. It's me and another rabbi, Rabbi Alex Mizrahi. We went to Israel with the Kesha organization. We took about 25 young men, all about the age of 20. And we went to Israel. We left on Motzei Shabbat. And we landed back here in America on Friday morning. We basically spent 100 hours in Israel. And those 100 hours crisscrossing the country, the north, the south, and everything in between, was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. Meeting family members of hostages that are still in Gaza, meeting actual hostages that were freed, meeting and talking to hundreds and hundreds of soldiers, going to six different army bases, actually going to the places where extreme terror took place, visiting the hospital where so many soldiers are injured, and in between going to some of the great Gidolim of Israel, the trip was one I never had before. I never slept this little in my whole life. I'm telling you the amount. I slept about two and a half hours a night for five nights in a row. Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, we finally slept on the plane. But the intensity of the trip was crazy. Like by the time I came back, I went to Fariwa. I said, forget the shots. IV I need. I'm not joking. And it was so intense. We barely ate one meal sitting down other than breakfast in the morning in the hotel. The rest was always on the go, in the move, in the cold, in the hot. It was just the most unbelievable experience. Going through the country, seeing the spark of belief in people was so powerful and so encouraging. I'll give you two examples. So on the first night, we went to an army base that had about 800 to 1,000 soldiers. And they would have a concert with Kobe parrots. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I don't know how many army bases I've been in my life. I don't know if I've ever been. This is the first time. Now I'm going to go to a concert of Kobe Parrots. I never even heard of Kobe Parrots before. I don't know who he is. But a rabbi in the community who had gone weeks before said to me, Rabbi, don't be too religious. Go. It's going to be powerful. I said, okay, I'm not sure what this means. Who's Kobe Parrots? He's one of the top singers in Israel. Okay? Not uh, religious. Not Mordechai ben David, Yaakov Shwaki. You get what I'm saying? One of the top singers in Israel. So now he comes in without a kippah. Kobe Parrots, and he starts singing with the soldiers. The soldiers are bopping up and down. I'm not sure what am I doing here. I don't know how I belong. I don't know what's right, what's wrong. I'm like in front of students. I don't know what I should be watching, what I shouldn't be watching. The night was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Because here's what all of a sudden happened. Kobe Parrots, who's one of the top superstars in Israel, did this concert for free. Why did he do the concert? In order to give out tefillin to soldiers. So we, our boys, raised the money for the tefillin. And we stood there at the concert. And soldiers came out of the crowd to take, to get a pair of tefillin. 25 soldiers who had never worn tefillin before said, I want one. And the soldier comes out and says, please. And we give him a koracha. And you see one of our boys giving the, the soldier a koracha. And then I'll give the soldier a beracha. And then you're seeing Kobe dancing and singing with each one of these soldiers. And I'm like, this man's incredible. Turns out. He didn't, wasn't trying to show it off. He was wearing tzitzit. I noticed like once when he jumped up, I saw a little, not a string, I saw like a little bit of a garment. I said, hey, I think that's tzitzit. Somehow it's hard to explain that night. I was on a Zoom call with Kobe Paris for 15 minutes. And I said, hey, Kobe, wearing tzitzit, right? He says, yeah, of course I wear tzitzit. You keep Shabbat, we wear tefillin. And the whole night, and then all of a sudden he puts on his kippah and starts singing, Hashem Melech. He starts singing, it was Anna Hashem Hoshia. Now he's singing and the boys are singing and the soldiers are singing and each one of them wants to get closer to Hashem. The spark was unbelievable. I'm like, 
This is Kobe Paris. He's not a rabbi from B'nai Brak. He's some Israeli singer that says, here's my chance to lift up people. And he gets up and he says, every Jew has to have Shabbat and has to wear tefillin and bring milah. That makes us Jewish. Talking to soldiers, some of which who've never heard this stuff before. Finally, towards the end of the night, he tells me, okay, Rabbi, you speak. So I get up on a chair. The whole stage was a chair, okay? And the way he was so gracious to the soldiers, gracious to the boys, I get up, I said, I just want everyone to know. With the strength that you see here, with the emunah that you see here, with the bitachon that you see here, with the caring for Am Yisrael that you see here, with the sacrifice for others that you see here. I said, the terrorists have no shot. And they started jumping up and down and going crazy. But it's true. When you see the belief, even in someone who wasn't born to believe, wasn't raised to believe, never really saw the inside of a Ben Midrash, doesn't hear the Sefer Torah reading every week. Even a person like that, when you see their spark inside of them, you're like, our nation always has a greatness and always has an emunah. And then there was another picture. Apparently, everybody in the universe saw this picture. So in the hospital, in the cafeteria, there's a hostage there. She was on the phone. Her name is Mia Shem. And everyone tells her, that's Mia Shem. I said, oh, okay, I didn't know. They're like, but you can't go over to her. She's on the phone the whole time. She doesn't want to deal. She's dealing with too much. She doesn't want to go over. I said, okay. She's on the phone the whole time. I, I said, but you know what? I'm going to do what I've done the entire week. Just go over to people and give them my heart. And say something nice. So right, she gets a half hour later, I come back to the cafeteria. She's basically fine. I think she just has something on her arm. She's going to get coffee. So I go over. I said, I just want to go over to her. I said, I am a rabbi from America, from New York. Now, you just know that America and New York is double celebrity. Okay? I said, and I just want to bless you. Hashem should give you strength. Hashem should give you happiness. You should have marriage and children and grandchildren. And Hashem should give you a lot of blessing and benachah in your life. She says to me, thank you so much. She says, you want a cup of coffee? I'm like, no, I don't do coffee. And then I say to her, I say, Hashem really should give you everything that you're hoping for. And now this is not a religious girl. As far as I know, her fiancé ran the festival. She says to me, if there's one thing we learned on October 7th, it's that Hashem runs the world. And I said, when you see people in our nation with some spark. We met a man who told us his story. This man looks like he was in his 60s. He's a rabbi with a kippah suga, knitted kippah, and a mizrahi yeshiva. And he said, let me tell you my story. He says, a month ago, my son went into the army. My son, a young man, married with two children and a third one on the way. And he went into the army, and I was able to speak to him on Thursday. And he said afterwards he's going to be going into Gaza. I wanted to tell him, don't be too much of a hero. He says, but I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to put any fear into him. He says, and then my son went to fight in Gaza the next few days. He says, and Wednesday, I took a nap, and I'm sharing what he said. This is not my story, it's his. He says, Wednesday, I took a nap, and I had a dream. And I saw my son come home, and he had this bright light on his face. So he says, I woke up, and I told my wife the dream. And my wife said, maybe it means he's going to come home, and he's going to come home strong. He says, we would find out later what happened on that day. Right after my dream... There was, the night before, right now, right after my dream, there was a, a unit going into Gaza. Not my son's unit. But my son said, I want to go in. But they said, but it's not, your unit's not going in. 
He said, but I want to go in. I didn't come here just to hang out. I came here to fight. He said, but your unit's not going in. He says, right before the unit was about to go in, one of the members of the unit that went in said, I'm too scared. I can't go. So they turned to my son. They said, okay, now you could go. He says, so my son goes in the tank and my son goes in, in the tank with this unit that's not even his and they go into Gaza. He says, and they're in a spot and there's bombs falling all over the place. He says, but they were told, stay in the tank. The tank is basically armored and protected. Stay in the tank and sleep overnight in the tank. He says, that night, my son and two other soldiers slept in the tank. He says, two other soldiers slept this way with their heads over here. He says, and my son slept this way with his head on the other side with his legs over here. He says, in the middle of the night, a bomb exploded. A piece of shrapnel went through a hole in the tank. He said, and it damaged the legs of the two other soldiers. He says, and it went into my son's heart, and instantly he died. He says, on Friday, the army called us to come and said, if you want, you could see your son. He says, I wanted to see him. I think he said his wife wasn't sure, and his son's wife didn't want to see. He says, and I went in, and I picked up the cover of my son, and I saw his face. He says, and he told this to the boys. He says, his face had a light. It's like he was bright. He says, I pulled my wife off. I said, it's the same light I saw in the dream. Like, I can't believe what I just saw. He says, and you know, the next day, they write in the newspaper that two soldiers passed away, or soldier, a soldier or two, whatever the story is, each day, a soldier passed away tragically. He says, I don't like when they write tragically. He says, it should say that the soldier passed away proudly, that a soldier who cared about Am Yisrael went in because they wanted to be there for Am Yisrael, and they were defending Am Yisrael. Now, how you believe about Israel and all that, that's not my point. My point is that this man here, this is, he has Hashem to hold on to. And here he's dealing with the worst tragedy. He lost his son while his son's wife has a child on the way. And yet, he's resolute and he's proud and he's strong. You know why? Because he believes. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.